that involves monumental change has always begun with one person taking a stand. When government is tyrannical, the people of God have a duty to not follow and not comply. And I just need to know who is willing to stand. can't be what you do. It has to be who you are. Rise and shine, liberty-loving patriots. Welcome to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L.com where we are liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over your favorite personality. You got JC and I both with you today. We sort of traded off the last couple of days, and you doing your little car thing, which seems to be wildly popular, by the way. People enjoyed watching you drive down the road, and I think a lot of them had this picture of, like, somebody breaking out into road rage, but it was it was wildly entertaining. They enjoyed that. Oh, good. <laughs> it was very popular on YouTube. So um, very happy to be with you guys today. Um, we are in Texas, and we will be in Missouri uh, starting Friday. And so I want you to go to chrisannhall.com right there chrisannhall.com and click on the calendar and find out where we're going to be to know if you're going to be nearby. We'd love to see you. If you have friends or family members, make sure you go to chrisannhall.com right down there and you share our Liberty Tour visits with you. I just finished a second day of constitutional training for the Palo Pinto County Sheriff's Department. I've been getting those two flip-flop. They both begin with a P, so on Pinto, Palo, Palo, Pinto. Palo, oh, oh, yeah, well, I guess it helps if you know Spanish, right? It wouldn't be paint pale. <laughs> something different. <laughs> yeah, something different. So Palo, Pinto, um, County Sheriff's Department, two days of constitutional training. Great, great sheriff there in Palo, Pinto County, Texas. Uh, great sheriff's in general, in Texas, uh, we have had the honor uh, to be able to teach many sheriffs across the country. By the way, if you are curious about what is being taught to the sheriffs, then you can go to libertyfirstuniversity.com. You can actually take and view the sheriff's course that we have there at libertyfirstuniversity.com. And this was actually me teaching the sheriffs live at the National Western Sheriffs Association Conference in Reno, Nevada. It was like over almost two years ago now. My goodness, it was before the shutdowns. So um, we're just, I can't tell you what an honor it is for me to be plowing these fields and giving these sheriffs and their deputies what they need 
to the legal basis, the constitutional basis to take a stand to defend your rights. You know, JC, when I'm teaching these deputies and the sheriffs, they have really, really great questions. And all their questions, all their sort of, for lack of a better word, I don't know, revelations, are geared around the fact that they actually want to defend people. They actually want to defend the rights of people, but they've never known their basis. And so when I show them the basis, because it's a three hour course, this is no joke. This is actual study. And they start thinking about their daily jobs, what they do and the challenges that they meet, because this is not easy. You choosing liberty is not always the easy choice, right? So you have dynamics of people reacting with each other. You have potentially volatile situations and people, these deputies are saying, okay, what about this, Chrisanne? What if I'm in this situation, in this situation, in this situation? And we're able to work through these problems together cool. and give them the, the solutions that they're looking for to stand for the people's rights. Today in Palo Pinto, we had a really, really amazing conversation in the middle of the class. I don't know what that means, by the way. I just made that up. Did you? No, you didn't. I think it's painted stick or something. Painted right. stick. Oh, okay. Well, somebody will correct me either way. <laughs> so we had this great conversation about red flag laws, right? Because here you are, especially in a small community, right? Everybody knows everybody. Well, here you are in a small community where the conversation was obviously somebody is having what they called an episode. You know, what do I do? And we walked through this about qualifications, about, you know, when did you get your medical training? When did you get your psychological training? When do you get to make a diagnosis on somebody's mental condition? That's why people have doctors. And that's why the medical system is set up to deal with these things. And we can't have deputies, we can't have police officers making medical diagnoses and medical decisions that result in the seizure of people and their property. And so it was just really, I love talking through these things and doing problem solving. Wouldn't the, I mean, wouldn't the deputy's question be, is there a crime being committed or is there imminent harm or something about to take place? I mean, well, but see, I mean, that's, they that's, deal with crime, not right. Not but that's, that's where the, right. But oh. that's where the complication comes in with how do you define imminent harm? Right. Um, well, there's guns nearby, or we know he owns guns and he's acting crazy. I said, well, that's not, I see what we have to deal with here is the standard, right? When a, you're engaged as an officer of the sheriff's office or a police officer, the standard for search and seizure is in the constitution. It is outlined. It is a standard. It is a warrant based upon probable cause, supported by oath or affirmation, particularly describing the place to be searched and the thing, persons or places to be seized. These are documented standards, checkboxes. But when you see these red flag laws, what you have is a situation now where the decision becomes arbitrary because there's no standard. Because most of these red flag laws are based on uh, if the officer believes there's a danger to people in the future. Mm -hmm. What exactly is the standard for that? What's the right. checkbox for making that decision? 
And so throwing that into the laps of the officers when they have no medical training, telling them that they have to do this because, you know, you have to keep people safe. Then you're in a situation where everything becomes arbitrary because it's based on somebody's personal assessment with no medical training at all. And it doesn't rely on actual elements of a crime. That's why crimes are important because crimes are statutorily defined like searching and seizing. Every crime has specific elements. And in order to to convict someone of a crime, you have to meet those specific elements. That's what's missing in these red flag laws. There's no specific standard and there's no element there. And then you thrust people into this situation where they're guilty until proven innocent. And I just simply show them by Texas constitution, by, by the constitutions of all the states, before you see somebody's property or person, by constitution, they're entitled to due process. If you're going to take their property by constitution, they're entitled entitled to to just compensation before you take that property. And so it's just problem solving with these deputies is one of the most rewarding things that I do when I when I teach this class, because it shows them that what we're learning is not just simply academic. Yeah, what should the response? I mean, what it seems seems like the response to the officer in those situations, you know, would be call the ambulance, call the medical mm-hmm. professionals, yeah. they would come Absolutely. make that evaluation and, mm-hmm. and that's exactly treatment or whatever. Yeah. And then I said to them, I said, look, you know, the, the response is this is a met, this is in the medical realm, right? Most of these people that you deal with these problems, they are under medical treatment. If you're, you know, if they're doing this. So you call their doctor. If they're not under medical treatment, then you call the ambulance, right? Because the medical community has, a different authority to deal with these things, right? Plus they have the medical expertise. Then then I said, okay, so you want to remove their guns. Most of the time, these things deal with situations where people who have family members who are making the complaints. You as the sheriff or as the deputy don't have to seize their guns. Let the family members take control of those weapons. Let the family members deal with the family problems. One of the problems that we have in America today, and that's part of what we're gonna be talking today. Why do you, what can't you, you can't even recognize America anymore. Part of the problem that we have in America today is families don't deal with family problems anymore. They're constantly calling the government to come deal with their issues. When I was a prosecutor, we had parents calling the sheriff's department to discipline their children. Now you have a family member who is having psychological issues and you want to call the sheriff to deal with your family member's psychological issues. Why can't we deal with these things as families? Why can't we deal with these problems within their proper realm instead of asking the government to fix all our problems? And so that's part of what I told them. I said, look, we've got to return this stuff to the families. And they said, well, what do we do when the families are like, you've got to fix this? You have to say, look at my job. My job description is not fix your family problems. My job description is not make medical diagnoses. My job description is not to take things from people without due process. That's the opposite of my job description. So even as a deputy, even as the sheriffs, even as the police officers, they're going to have to stand ground and refuse some of this authority. 
even as people beg, you're going to have to say, look, this is, I'd love to help you, but this is not within my power and it's improper for me to exercise this power. So anyway, I, I just sort of long story of why it's just really, really a rewarding experience for me. And to see the deputies, the sheriffs, the police officers actually learn the practical applications. It's not just simply academic. <laughs> what? It just, it seems kind of, some of it's sort of like, duh. Well, maybe duh. Well, how do you take his guns? Uh, you take his guns. You lock them. If you're worried about him, you take them, lock them up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what? Well, but again, you know. But you're right. Just the begging, the begging the government. And it's come, training. Come, here and solve, come in my house and solve it's my training. problems. They're taught in the academies. Yeah. They have this power. They're taught in the academies. Not only do they have this power, they have to do this power. Because if they don't, then if somebody gets hurt, it's your fault. No, I'm sorry. It's not your fault. And that's one thing society has to stop doing is stop laying liability on our officers for not doing things that's not within their power to do. Right. Right. So that that stops. It's not the same as immunity or whatever. No, no, no. I'm not saying immunity. Immunity is the opposite of immunity. Right. Your immunity is holding them accountable for what they do. Right. Um, this is saying, hey, this is not in my job description. I can't do this. It's like you said, your family member, you're worried about them having the guns. You take the guns from them. It's your family member. You lock them up. So that's interesting. You know, I want to remind everybody because I talked about this on the show yesterday. Um, go to chrisannhall.com and click on the article. U.S. Capitol Police to open office in Tampa after January 6th. Uh, this article will help you uh, take control of what's going on and in a certain way, be it become active, send a letter to Governor DeSantis and demand that he revoke any real or perceived permission for the Capitol Police to be in Tampa, Florida. What's interesting, you know, JC, I keep I run these things through my head every now and again. You know, sometimes they just keep rolling because for me, the dots don't match. So I'm always looking for for clues as to what's going on. You know what occurred to me? The Capitol Police have labeled Florida as one of the hotbeds of insurrection and Tampa as the capital of the Florida hotbed insurrection. Do you know the Capitol Police are not saying that about Portland? Right. They're not saying that about Seattle. Yeah. Nobody has burned down a building they don't in care. Florida. They don't care about private property. Well, but that's even public property, though. Wasn't it in Seattle? They tore up the federal building, the uh, federal courthouse. Portland, I think. Portland's I, I one of the two. They tore up a federal building. Mm -hmm. Right? I don't know. Hey, I thought that I would uh, talk about this because this is this is something that we've covered previous on the show. One of those Supreme Court things where I said, hey, keep your eyes open for this. This is coming. Well, the Supreme Court, um, because we've been out of the loop for a while, the Supreme Court has issued an opinion on the, want to say her name for us? K-Mala. On the K-Mala Harris, California AG for violating the First Amendment. This is the case that involves Americans for Prosperity, where the California government 
was demanding that this nonprofit, Americans for Prosperity, hand over the contact information for their donor roles, which is, well, according to Americans for Prosperity, a violation of their right to freedom of speech and their right to publicly assemble and that sort of thing. Well, the Supreme Court agrees. So the Supreme Court held that California's disclosure requirement is invalid because it burdens donors' First Amendment rights and is not narrowly tailored to an important government interest. While Vice President Kamala Harris was still Attorney General of California, she sent a letter to AFP in 2013 asking the nonprofit to send Schedule B forms to disclose its largest donors. AFP declined to send the forms, saying to do so would dissuade people from donating, would violate their First Amendment. Now, Xavier Becerra, you know who he is now, right? He is now the director of Health and Human Services. He took over for Kamala. Did I say that right? <laughs> Kamala Harris. When she stopped being Attorney General of California, he took over. And then when he was appointed, somebody else was taking over. And all of these things, the Supreme Court said, uh, California has not considered alternatives to indiscriminate upfront disclosures. That is true in every case. In every case. The state's interest in amassing sensitive information for its own convenience is weak. It's true in every case when it comes to the freedom of association, the protections of the First Amendment are not triggered are triggered not only by actual restrictions on individuals ability to join with others uh, to further shared goals. The risk of the chilling effect on association is enough because the First Amendment freedoms need breathing space to survive. This is actually an opinion by Roberts. So I just want people to understand. I mean, I know those of you who are listening to this, you've got this, you understand this, you know this, that Kamala Harris has no interest in the rights of the people, has no interest in, in how uh, the Constitution says and what they're supposed to do. And what I thought was, you know, their, their, their argument was, we need this, right? And the... Supreme Court said, no, your argument that we, quote, need this is weak and said, no, we're not going not going to give this to you. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was really, really good. I'm still, JC, just just a second to pause and say I am really, really interested in what's happening to the Supreme Court. I'm wondering, what is this? trend. I don't, I don't, I don't understand it. I mean, I'm, I don't, I'm not angry about it. It's just very puzzling, this new movement. Yeah, you say so. Well, anyway, did you see this A one? New movement? Well, their move, movement toward actually the rights of the people. Yeah. Movement towards. The jury's still out as far as I'm concerned. No, I'm not, I'm just saying, that's why I'm curious about the movement toward. You're curious about these few cases? Okay, so we're we're beyond a few cases now. We're practically to over a dozen. That's, hey, it's your over show. A dozen. You can call it whatever you want. I'm not. It's calling just it. I'm not calling a movement. No, it's just. Of course, it's a movement. 
I mean, ready? That was movement. Nah. So um, I don't, I'm, I'm curious as to when it's going to go back to the way to it go was. Catalog and, all the other cases and see what they said before I say that. Yeah. Well, anyway, it's something that I would not have expected to see that we have not seen in a very long time. And the judgments that are focused in leaning more towards uh, rights of people, less towards power of government, um, are, are just very curious to me, especially we covered this case. I think you're on the show with when we covered this case yes. where the uh, Supreme Court said that the government can't tell union workers they have a right to go on to people's property without permission. I mean, that is that's like mind boggling to me. I don't even to, to have the Supreme Court side against the government, against the unions in favor of private property rights. I don't know, something in the water. That's all I'm saying. I can't imagine a time before then that this would happen. But I still say throw them all in prison. <laughs> well, OK, so did you see this one? So in um, Lincoln, Nebraska, everyone at the Burger King in Lincoln, Nebraska quit all at the same time. And they put this up on the notice board. Now, we had a conversation about this not too long ago, not in this aspect. But this is the kind of thing where I'm asking, what, what is happening to the workforce in America? Now, I'm not saying they don't have the right to quit. They can quit whatever they want. But listen to this. This is what they said. Um, the Burger King sign has gone viral after employees at a Lincoln, Nebraska location used it to announce they were all quitting. One of the former employees told today that the sign came after months of short staffing, managerial turnover, and hectic mm. work conditions. We just got really tired of upper management and them not coming to help and not caring about employees. When when did we have to expect upper management to come to the store in Lincoln, Nebraska and help? I don't know. Uh, I understand they're short staffed and that's definitely a management problem. She said we were supposed to have five or seven employees working with only two or three. Uh, they were somebody fell ill because of lack of air conditioning. In the beginning of the summer, when it was extremely hot, it would be uh, extremely hot in the kitchen because the air conditioning wasn't working and temperatures were reaching the mid 90s. Most days it was causing a lot of issues with employees. They were getting dehydrated. You know, I'm just here's my question. In a generation of people who worked in restaurants before air conditioning was ever invented, I'm just wondering, JC, what's happened to the toughness? What has happened with? Gone. We're unhappy because we have, because that workplace is hectic. <laughs> we're it's going hectic. to, I quit. we're going to quit our fast food restaurant job because it's hectic. 
The hint is in the name. <laughs> Fast food. It's hectic. And the choice of words is very revealing, isn't it? Because they didn't say abusive. They didn't say unreasonable. They didn't say impossible. They used the word hectic. Um, life is hectic at times. You work at a fast food restaurant. You're going to quit because it's hectic and because it got too hurt, hot. Well, if they had managerial turnover like they implied, then obviously whoever is, you know, above that is aware of the management problems. Right. And seem to be, I mean, I would think if they're firing and rehiring, there's right. a managerial shuffle, shuffle, they're trying to fix a known problem. Not very well, apparently, but you have to wonder what is the pool that they're drawing from. It's uh, a fast food restaurant. What maybe what maybe sort of management training are they giving these people? So it may be mismanagement higher up. Um, well, then you're also clearly, I mean, it's clearly somebody is aware of the problems and, and everybody decided we're going to quit and that's going to help fix it. Well, and then you also have the problem, right? You're supposed to have five to seven people. You only have three to four. It's because the government's still paying people not to work. This is a problem we're seeing all over the country, right? And I'm, I'm reading articles all the time about restaurants not having enough staff and people, because so you have the food industry is generally the lower echelon of pay, of pay, especially in the fast food, right? So if you work in a fast food restaurant, the dynamic of a fast food restaurant is they, they usually stagger employees so they never work more than 30 hours a week so they don't have to pay them full time benefits, right? So you're staggered, you know you're gonna work less than 30 hours a week, you're gonna make more money on unemployment than you will going to work at the fast food restaurant where it's hot and hectic, right? Yeah. So you can't get people to fill the jobs. But but again, I, I don't know. And would paying them $15 an hour <laughs> make the job less hectic? Why are you dehydrating? You're working in a place that has water. You sell beverages. You sell beverages, people. Drink. You sell beverages. Drink. 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 We know how to fix dehydration, just FYI. Maybe that needs to be stopped. part of the of the Burger King management policy. Part of your training is you have to teach drink people water. to drink water. <laughs> Look, you can you laugh, but in the military they did that. When when we when I was in basic training in the army, the drill sergeants would stop every now and again and go, drink water. I what what strikes <laughs> me, I mean the one thing that makes it stand out is just because they quit in mass. I mean, people, yeah. people quit, individuals quit their jobs for yeah. these reasons all the time. You know, management sucks, you know, it's too hot, whatever people quit. Um, I, I just, it, it, what struck me is they, that all of them apparently don't need the job very much. Right. You know what I mean? Because it's too hot. It's if you, too if hectic. You, if you really like, if there's a, really real need i mean need need i need i need money i gotta survive i, I gotta get paid you you tolerate as long as you're still getting paid you know you can put up with stuff you know what i mean uh and then if you find something somewhere else or another opportunity you know go do that so maybe they all had other opportunities at the same time but uh i, I don't I, I think it's 
what you're saying, the sort of toughness, sort of stick it out. Yes. But I, I don't know how, how long has it been this way? But usually, you know, you really need the job. Yeah, there's problems. You're going to stick it out until they figure it out. Maybe they you figure out they're not and you leave. So, so we, who knows? But, but we had this- I, I think it just it's indicative of a general. Number one, you have this narrative going all around, you know, that nobody's paid enough. Oh, yeah. And all the fat cats are not paying their employees high enough, especially in the food industry. You, you got that whole narrative out there. And then just the general culture. I think what you pointed out, there, there's not a real uh, sort of stick to itiveness, toughness. Um, it's just it just hardly exists. OK, so you want to be paid what the fat cats are paid, right? Because that's the bottom line. Why are the corporate heads? Why are the management? Why do they make so much money and the people who work making so little? Um, if you're going to quit because your fast food counter job is too hectic, you can't be a CEO of a corporation. You cannot be a CEO of a corporation. Yeah. It's you just, just hard. can't do it. It's hard to cry about it. You know, to you grow you grow up, you know, like I'm I grew up bailing hay, picking tobacco, picking crap tobacco. jobs, working right. in, working in, you know, grocery stores that I hated, working in restaurants that I loved, you know, whatever. You, you, so mowing lawns, washing cars, all that sort of stuff. And so it, the mentality was you kind of knew unless you found your passion, you know what I mean? Unless you found that thing that you love and that's what Mm -hmm. you're doing. Most jobs are kind of crap jobs and you have to put up with nonsense. You go there, put your head down, do the work to the best of your ability, get through the day, get your paycheck. You know, that's kind of the, I mean, that was sort of the mentality. That's how you saw your job. But we went through a phase there and I, I reflected on this often actually as this sort of narrative began to be fed into the culture of, of purpose. This is sort of this sort of buzzword, this conversation that I heard where like everybody at every level, like every, you know, a 14 year old and you, you live with purpose and whatever purpose and there's all, like whatever job you have to be that you're doing has to be some sort of, monumental you know, world changing super significant thing and so there, there's that mentality so there's no toleration for just hey i'm doing a menial job i'm just putting in the hours to get what i need to get and do what i need to do so there's there's almost a rejection of that that kind of idea nobody nobody wants to live that kind of life we have to be we have to be in our purpose every time now that's exactly the argument i'm pretty sure that it was it was either um, uh, Zuckerberg or um, what's the Tesla guy's name? Yeah, yeah. Give they, them free money so they yeah. can live out their purpose. Give, um, give. We need to give everybody two thousand dollars, three thousand right. dollars a month, as a as a yeah. From here's as a free money, here's free money so that and then people will choose yeah. to do a job that fulfills their need yeah. in society. That yeah. was Zuckerberg. Yeah. What was what's Tesla guy's name? I keep forgetting. Um, yeah, that guy. Yeah. I, I, anyway, I mean, they I'm gave all... some co- a commencement speech at right. college. Now, we, you and I, JC, we had this conversation mm-hmm. earlier this week in relation to something else. I'm all for and purpose. I just keep... I'm all for living out your purpose. Yeah. Your purpose. But you have to work your way to that. Yeah. That's the thing. You have to work we, your way to as that. As we came up, yeah. you kind of understood this transition. Pay Put, your dues. Pay your dues. Put in the work. Put in the hours. Now it's... That's, that's the thing I started seeing about... 
15 years ago, it seems to me, in this this sort of new narrative end of, and it was it was almost instant purpose. Like, what are we doing right now? So some 12-year-old is, you know, living out their purpose. Like, oh, wait, what? Um, you know, and then, I mean, I knew plenty of, I still know plenty of people where, you know, their, their purpose is not connected to their job. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I know mm-hmm. people live great, fulfilling lives uh, and they work a job such that it provides money to pay their bills, take care of their family. They spend time with their family. They spend time, you know, fishing, whatever, doing things they enjoy, living what seems to them a fulfilled life. What in their, you know, with, to them, I don't mean seems to them, but is is to them a, a fulfilling life. Um, right. So I, I, I don't know. You have that segment that, you know, OK, I'll do the crap job. So what? You know, because that that my identity is not my job. And. So I, I don't know how many of those people exist these days as far as the generation that's being influenced by public school and media and all this sort of stuff. Well, but that's the conversation we had a so few days ago. The that's the conversation we had a few days ago. Where would we be today oh, if yeah. the World War II generation said, <laughs> you know, this whole fight the Germans kind of. Yeah, we, we're not going to go at it because that was a little bit. But <laughs> the, the, you know, we got to fight these Germans off. Well, you know what? It's just too hectic. It's yeah. too hot out here. Um, it's too hot. We can't do that. You know, I mean, seriously, yeah. where uh, it's. But then again, it gives me a certain. It's be this. Gives me certain hope, right? Because the people who are rising up in defense of liberty are not pansies. Are not pansies, yeah. right? They're not going to be like, oh, it's too hectic. But it's, but liberty. it's however, however, <laughs> you have all that because you post something like this, like you did the the dip thing, and and even I did in the, what? The, the tip post, oh. even in the conservative circles, here come all these whiners. And, and these pants, well, you just don't understand. I worked at a restaurant. We, oh, we, it was just tips, and we didn't get paid for public tips. So I guarantee you, I guarantee you, there'd be some conservatives <laughs> watching this. Uh, I work in a hot restaurant. It gets hot. I mean, I got dehydrated one time. You guys are just, you're just giving conservatism a bad name because you just, you ever you're insensitive. So insensitive. So. <laughs> You hear that crap from idiot conservatives as well. So, you know, it's the, the pansy is a bipartisan thing. Like you, so the, yeah, but they'll be the no, summer no soldiers backbone. and the sunshine patriots, right? When the crap hits the fan, it's going to be the people with tenacity that are going to go through. Yeah. And I got to believe that in culture yeah, today, absolutely. there's a more people with tenacity going to be fighting for liberty than fighting against it. Because the ones that are fighting against it are the ones that are like, my fast food job is too hectic. I think I'm. I think back. I reflect back because we've been in these situations. I have to say, as teenagers, I remember our gang and with the teenagers that, you know, and we're working in the restaurant and whatever. We've been in situations like this in crap jobs. It's hot. We're sweating. I mean, we're picking tobacco. Yeah, people passing out and vomiting in the field. <laughs> Get up, rub some dirt on it. You'll yeah, be all right. <laughs> rub some dirt on it. So we, what we would, as I think back, we would entertain ourselves. Like we would be laughing in that situation, making fun of stuff, pulling pranks, you know, doing whatever we need to do to get by. You you kind character. of you cope and just go with it. And we laugh about it. And like I say, build character. We years later we're telling stories of man, remember we were we worked in that Burger King man, the the stinking 
air conditioner went out and the manager was just a total idiot. And it took him four weeks, you know, to, to, to get that thing back on. And we're drenching with sweat. Remember how, remember Jason soaking wet, sopping and sweat. We had to take his shirt off and wring it out. I mean, that's, you yeah. tell those stories and you laugh about it. It wouldn't be a story of the air conditioner went out and we, we quit. All of us together decided to quit because no AC, man. No AC. I'm telling you, this is what we had to go through. It's terrible. All these right? customers. We, we don't have all these those customers stores. making orders, and it was it, <laughs> it was, was just so, so hectic. So hectic to push the buttons on the computer. Yeah. You know? I, I I don't have you those. Have, you have Burger King. You have a freaking assembly line, right? Everything is right there. It's not like you have to do anything. Everything's already made. I'm calling my mom to come pick me up. She's what? like, son, you're 35. <laughs> I worked in the field picking beans and sweating. It's just a thing. It's heat. You get hot. Get over it. Drink some water. <laughs> Come get me, mom. Shut up. Get back to work. <laughs> yeah. That would be my mom. Well, that was America. And then I would get a beating oh, yeah. when I got home just oh, for yeah. making just a call. Just for like calling that. like that. Mom, the AC's not working. You got to come pick me up at work. Oh, my God. I Man, a lot. <laughs> I can't imagine. Can you imagine? That's what I said. What you, this is why you can't recognize America anymore because we have trained people into to weakness. Pansydom. Weakness. Absolute weakness. You word. cannot hold a job because the air conditioner broke. <laughs> Are you, you freaking you kidding team me? Team quit. The whole you team, team quit. quit. Team team quit. Team you quit. Because the air conditioner broke. <laughs> And here's my thought, JC. We're all quitting. Okay. The whole town is Lincoln, quitting. Lincoln, Nebraska. Okay. Right. Said, what kind of air conditioning do you need in Lincoln, Nebraska? Right. Come tell me yeah. that it's too hot when the air conditioning breaks in Southern Florida. Yeah, come to in Tampa. In Arizona. Come to Tampa. Right? Come to Tampa. Don't come. Oh, I'm in Lincoln, Nebraska, and my air conditioner broke. It got, oh my gosh, JC, it got almost to 90 <laughs> degrees today in Lincoln, Nebraska. What about the welders? Like, what are they doing? You you work at a burger job. Yeah. And you wonder why China's taking over the industry. Job. You wonder why China's taking over the world commerce. Because <sighs> we've raised a whole generation of people that have to team quit when the air conditioner breaks. <laughs> Just kidding. There was no salt for the fries. It was too hectic. I can't work under these conditions. It's too hectic. Too hectic. Too hectic. Anyway. Okay, so JC, when we're dealing with something about law, putting you on the hot spot, what is the most common thing you hear me say when I talk about a legal decision? A legal decision? Uh -huh. Probably. I'll just give it to you because you just... Bad? Bad facts make bad law. Psh, I thought you meant like people asking for advice. No, 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 no. Bad facts, fake facts. Get what you pay for. Right. Let me show you this. Okay, this is a Blaze. Um, okay, this is supposed to be a Blaze article. Just tap it. I am tapping it. Oh, there it is. Okay. All right. A Texas judge denies U.S. citizen due process rights. Censor before Islamic Sharia tribunal instead. Okay. So. 
right off the bat, you would look at that and think, wow, that's absolutely outrageous. What is going on? My first thought, maybe this is because we think of it differently. My first thought was, uh, is it a state marriage? Does she have a state marriage license? Is it a state marriage? It is a state divorce. They've gone to the courts to file for divorce. I see. Mm -hmm. But here's the bottom line, right? And there are some complications to this case. So this is not a simple case. Now, you know me. I'm going to be all like, hey, you've signed your contract. You've made this deal. So uh, you got to live with it. So here's the facts of the case. You have a Muslim woman and a Muslim man. They get married in a, what are they called? In a temple? Okay. Mosque. A mosque. Thank you. That's the word. Couldn't come out. You get married in a mosque. Could they sign a prenuptial agreement? And the prenuptial agreement says that before there's any divorce, that they will go through arbitration through a Muslim imam. Is this applying a Sharia law? It seems like this is, this seems so familiar. I think this has already happened before. I'm sure it has. I think a similar case made headlines and it yeah. was the same thing. Yeah. The difference. They, they try to, oh, Muslim, oh, well, Sharia, and get this scary headline when it was actually about a prenuptial the contract. The prenuptial contract. Now, there are some, some, some kind of weirdness. Weirdness. Thank you for that word. Weirdness in this. Okay. First off, weirdness that you can actually sort of believe, right? So she claims that she signed, number one, that she signed the prenuptial agreement under duress. That's You're not hard in to the Islamic community, yeah, not, please. Not hard to believe. That's not hard to believe. So the real argument. And that was probably bigoted. Those are bigoted remarks. Okay. No. So the, the judge... Right, right. So the real argument in this case, in my humble opinion, is the fact that you cannot have a binding contractual agreement when one party made that agreement under duress. Right. Um, so the comp the weirdness is that she tried to bring this fact forward and the judge wouldn't hear it. This judge was not going to hear her argument that she was made under duress. Right. So now they're having to file a writ of mandamus. They're having to appeal this, all this craziness. And they're putting forward this very interesting argument. They're putting forward this very interesting argument that the prenuptial agreement is illegal because the Supreme Court says that a state does not have to enforce a contract when the contract is based on foreign law that violates public policy. Interesting. Yeah. Now here's the weirdness. And this is what happens when you marry government with religion, right? Right? So all you people out there who want to have Christian government, think about this now. This is what happens when you marry government with religion. They are not ordering them to go to Iraq and go under a, in, in an Islamic court. 
the order, the, the agreement in the prenup is for arbitration through an imam. And they're saying because it's arbitration through an imam, that they will be applying Sharia law. And therefore, it is foreign law that is subject to uh, the state doesn't have to apply it because it's contrary to public policy, foreign law, public contrary to public policy. Right. And I'm looking at these cases about foreign law and contrary to public policy. And I don't see the fit here. And I know this is going to really flip out people who are, you know, have their their stances and all of this Sharia law and everything. The danger in this is the danger. This is a no win scenario, by the way, for the American people, a no win scenario, because what's what will either happen is what this court has done upholding the prenuptial agreement, right? Which then um, allows the marrying of law with government in this way. Or they will dismiss the prenuptial agreement. Religion and then, what did I say? Law with oh, religion with government. Or they'll dismiss the prenuptial agreement and then the ability to contract uh is damaged. is damaged, especially when you have two people who want to contract on any faith-based issue, right? So it's this is this is a really, really sticky, sticky, sticky one. The bottom line is this. Um, you know, I don't even know. Don't sign a prenuptial agreement if you're a Muslim woman. <laughs> I don't know. What's what's the thing here? I don't I don't even know how to tell you this. If you are in an active Muslim community, an active Muslim household, and you're a woman. This video is going to be censored for hate speech. No, it's legal speech. I'm just saying it, this is this is what it is. And it, it really, really opens some very, very interesting questions is what I'm saying. Interesting questions. When in reality... It should be about the right to contract. It should be around prenuptial agreements. And the only question ought to be, was the prenup signed under duress? And that's where I believe this court failed. Yeah. Because this judge in Texas is obviously got an agenda because would not even hear the wife's testimony about being put under duress to sign this prenup. Hmm. Well, there you go. Imagine that failure of a judge. So I thought I would Shocking. restore your Shocking. restore your perspective after I tried to, you know, yeah. you know, throw all the Muslims under the bus. No, no, no. I mean, when I tried to actually oh, brag on the Supreme brag Court, on, yeah. I brag on Whatever. the Supreme Court. Now I threw this judge in front of you, this yeah. district judge here in there, Texas. See, I win. You win. You win. So this is no, I didn't throw Muslims under the bus. Are you freaking kidding me? Oh my god. You're gonna use like even no Muslim woman should sign a contract. No, that's well, not what man. I said. <laughs> yes, ma'am. That's good teaching right there. Matter of fact, we even can broaden that out. No woman should sign a contract. <laughs> period. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. I like that. My only point was this, JC. Well, there is a very there is a very 
important, very well-founded, very knowledgeable principle. Do you know what it is? What's that? Caveat emptor. Mm. Buyer beware. Buyer beware. You can't buy much. Well, maybe you can. No, in you better some, stop. In some countries, well. No, no. I'm just saying. You <clears throat> are. You got to. You got to understand the situation that you're living in, <laughs> and you got to be. You don't know. buy Muslim women. That's more yeah. of the story. Oh my god. Because they're not good at signing contracts. <laughs> oh my god. We're done. We're off YouTube. <laughs> All right. I don't know where you'll catch us on D Live next week tomorrow. I don't know, but we're done. Whatever. Oh my God. This is terrible. All right. While we're at it. See you next time. This is um You're out of time. Another time when when religion marries with government, that's the problem. Here's what corporate marries with government. A Seattle doctor is harassed on a United Airlines flight because she threw her baby's poopy diaper into the trash can in the bathroom. I would think she needs to be harassed. Why? Throwing your stinky diaper and in, I mean, come on. Where else is she going to put it? It's on the Seal plane. That thing up in a Ziploc. Okay. All right. She did that. Oh, okay. She actually did that. She sealed it up, not just in a Ziploc, but when those scented bags. Uh, okay. Right? Take it so, with you. so she seals it <laughs> up in it the scented bag. And the airline flight attendant comes back she disposed of it she says in a scented diaper disposal bag inside the bathroom trash the flight attendant berated her for throwing away a poop diaper on the plane he said it was biohazard <laughs> and then made her dig it out of the trash can oh wow yeah yeah <laughs> so he could give her an extra garbage bag to put it in so she could keep it with her to flow away after the flight now after this flight attendant berates her, embarrasses her in front of the entire plane, another flight attendant comes to her and says, you know, that's really what you're supposed to do. You did the exact right thing, right? Uh -huh. Meanwhile, three hours later, she gets a call from United Airlines telling her she's being put on a no-fly list because of the biohazard incident. <laughs> She says this United Airlines person calls her up, curses her out and says, you people bring your families everywhere. You should stop flying and just drive. I can hear your obnoxious baby in the background right now. Yeah. Airlines and flight attendants are in the same category as judges with me. I, I think well, because it's an unfettered authority. The airlines the, are domestic terrorists. You have gotten to a situation now where the federal government has literally in regulations and law said, if you disagree with a flight attendant, it's a felony, federal, federal felony offense, which has now made these flight attendants little tyrants where now you've got some guy. Domestic terrorists. Berating a woman for disposing of the diaper. Here's the thing. If she hadn't. And she kept it in the seat and stuck up the whole back of the plane. What would have happened there? Come on now. We've all been in airplane bathrooms where the guy before you laid a bomb. But she took the diaper and put it in a scented bag and sealed it up and Good. threw it in a place where people expect to smell smelly stuff. Very, um, very thoughtful of her.
And now she's on a no-fly list. Very conscientious. She is on a no-fly list because they deemed her diaper bag biohazard. See, this is why you don't recognize America anymore. You have people who can't work because it's too hectic and too hot. You have Kamala Harris trying to destroy people's freedom of speech and freedom association. You know, it's too hot. It's too hectic. We can't work. Judges, judges don't hear testimony anymore. I don't know. Why do we even have court anymore? Why don't we just, just put some papers in front of the judges and they go guilty, not guilty. Favor this guy, favor this guy. Why is there even evidence and testimony anymore? Diaper terrorist. What's the point? Diaper terrorist. I don't know. I'm just like, whatever. The good news. Is there are no diaper terrorists on your plane. <laughs> the good news. It's always the darkest before the light. And Is that a diaper joke? I don't think I can make a diaper joke out of that. If you can make a diaper <sighs> joke out of that. If you work for the airlines, keep it to yourself. I like... I don't, they, and the, and I guess these guys make everybody else look bad. Not all flight attendants are bad, but I, no. I don't like them anymore. I don't like anybody that works for the airlines. We have flown so I think so you're a domestic much. terrorist or you're a sympathizer with domestic terrorism. We have flown so much, um, even since the shutdowns. And since the shutdowns, I mean, we used to, okay, so in our defense, JC, we used to regularly brag on Southwest Airlines. They're terrible. Regularly They're brag on Southwest Airlines, on the flight attendants, on the customer service. You can go back and look at the old shows where we talk about them, how great they are. And now, since all of this, this lockdown stuff has come around, now, all of a sudden, the same people we were bragging on have become little tyrants. See, this is absolute power sure. corrupts absolutely. I hate all of you. You're all domestic terrorists. JC is working hard to get us kicked off YouTube today. I do. If you work for the airlines, I think you're a loser. I really do. <sighs> well, I've, I'm not going to join in on that one. But You work for an actually... evil system. You should, you should team quit today. Team quit. You know, a lot of things would be solved if people would team quit. Just team quit. Just team quit. The, every Democrat should team quit. All the Democrats. Like the Democrats in quit. Texas. Team quit. They, yeah, yes. they did team quit. The Democrats in Texas team quit. You figure out a way to keep them out now. Yeah. Yeah. I think that they should just go ahead and and push things through committee. I thought it was hilarious. And you then see you them put get, it all on the floor. You and, got caught on a plane with the Miller light. Well, the Democrats heading out with their Miller, their case of Miller Lite. So you need, so according to Texas Democrats, you need ID to buy a case of Miller Lite, but you don't need an ID to vote. Right. That's Texas Democrats. And by the way, the Texas voting law they don't want to pass actually extends voting time. Yeah. Extends voting time. Makes it easier to vote. Cool. Airlines, All right. judges, and Texas Democrats suck. Well, if, Write that down. if we are not canceled, we will. We'll give it a shot next time. We'll give it a shot next time. <laughs> Thanks so much. Oh, my gosh. Thanks so much for enjoying our show today. <laughs> God bless you guys. See you later.